0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to Ultimate Motorcycling's weekly podcast, Motos and Friends. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This week, editor Don Williams somewhat reluctantly rides the Beta X-Trainer 300 off-road bike. The Beta is a bit of an odd beast. It's a not-quite-full-sized two-stroke dirt bike that's designed to be a little less intimidating than a full-size machine. Previous year's versions were hampered by eh, less than stellar suspension. (laughs) So a highly skeptical Don rode the 2023 model to see if any of the issues have been addressed. We're all familiar with the Suzuki Hayabusa, one of the most iconic sport bikes ever. However, the latest 2023 version is now faster and easily the most technologically advanced Hayabusa ever. Check it out at your local Suzuki dealer now or visit suzukicycles.com to learn more. I promise you won't be disappointed. In our second segment, Associate Editor T.J. Adams chats with Ashley Lutsky. She's the co-founder of Kickstands Up, the one place where riders of every style can connect to all the motorcycle rides, races, meetups, and rallies in their area. Ashley is a long-time off-road rider, yet she still doesn't consider herself an expert. She recently returned from a serious ADV trip to Baja, California and she and TJ chat about the challenges for young women learning to ride off-road. So, from all of us here at Motos & Friends, we hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: It's the new 2023 Beta X Trainer, and it's, it's this interesting bike that's been around for a while, and every time we get one, we have been disappointed. The idea of the bike is really cool, it, it's a seven size dirt bike. So the seat height's about an inch lower. Everything's a bit more compact, but it's got a uh, 300cc two stroke motor in it, which is normally in the old days, you'd go 300cc two stroke, that's big. Well, this one's tuned not to be a, a high end power. It's tuned for low end power. It's not the trials bike motor in this bike, it is the uh, same motor as used in the 300 RR uh, uh, trail bike and the 300 RR race race bike, but it's it's tuned completely different. And and one of the thing, first things you kind of notice when you see the bike in person is that it has a much smaller expansion chamber. On the RR bikes, they have this huge huge big pipe that's you know for a lot more high in power. Whereas this has a much more narrow small. Pipe that gives it a lot more torque. So even though it's a three hundred cc two stroke, uh, it's a very beginner friendly bike and uh, beginner friendly motor. And that's kind of the basis of the bike is that it's it's smaller, it's lighter. Uh, it only weighs two hundred eighteen pounds before you put some gas in it, and uh, that's pretty light. And so you, anybody can kind of get on it and ride it, even though the seat height's still not low it's you know it's it's just one inch lower than normal when you add that the 216 pound weight to it the bike it doesn't feel small but it feels a lot more naturally manageable when you get on it you don't feel like oh okay this is a full-size bike let's go riding which is cool which i don't have a problem with But when you get on this it's kind of like oh yeah this is just i'm just hopping on it's it's just kind of casual and it's and it's fun and so uh having the smaller design and you know it's not a race bike they have the rr and the rr race for the people who want to go super fast and this bike is designed to be more agile can go uh, in more difficult places it's not designed to be as as fast as the other bikes it's designed to be ridden at, at a, a low a slower pace but maybe in more technical conditions more easily so that's kind of where beta positions the bike now over the years the big problem with that bike is that it had terrible suspension. <laughs> and we complained about this on the last two generations. They had some uh, smaller name brands that we weren't even familiar with. So you couldn't even send it out to a lot of places to get it revalved. It was just inexpensive suspension and it felt like it. Uh, it was kind of that double whammy of being too soft and yet harsh. <laughs> so we go through the, the, travel too fast but it was also not smooth so you didn't get any of the advantages of you know of either of having like firm suspension that did bottom or uh soft suspension that was cush it was just soft suspension that would that was harsh in action and would still bottom so we complained and complained about that and then they updated the bike a few years ago but they updated the engine well the engine didn't need to be updated the engine was already perfectly fine it had plenty of power, it was super easy to manage. Uh, the suspension was still bad. And so we were, you know, kind of lost interest in the X-Trainer because it was like this concept that was really great, but it was poorly executed. And so the bike didn't, you know, just there's just no interest for us in riding it. Well, this year they, they redid it. So, you know, hope springs eternal. I said, yeah, I'll take the X-Trainer, let me have it. <laughs> It didn't take more than five minutes to know that this is a different X-Trainer. And it's incredibly good suspension now, out of the blue. So, you know, somebody reworked the suspension. Uh, it's, uh, the R16V fork is uh, sh- just super plush, but, but not flying through the, the uh, travel. So you get, the, the main thing is the action is better. Uh, It's still soft suspension. So you're not going to be hitting loops or going super fast through really tough terrain, but you don't want it to be. But you wanted the soft suspension to also be smooth and supple. And that's what it is now. So, uh, and it's very balanced. Both the front and the back are great. And you know we were kind of in shock when we rode it because when we (laughs) the other ones we were like we were like you know getting out of like okay this thing's gonna be rattling me around and it's gonna be hard to get traction because it's bumping up and bouncing and oh I don't even want to ride this and then oh this is good this is really good and so we've taken it out a couple times out to the desert which isn't really its natural terrain uh high speed but for people who aren't familiar with the desert there's a lot of technical rocky mountains out there and it's super hard you won't see trees and you won't see you know streams and things although this year we have actually seen streams but you you don't have what looks like woods or like difficult single track but it's difficult single track and like i said oftentimes rocky steep uh rutted just whooped out sometimes just really tricky stuff and that's where a bike like the beta x trainer you know is designed to go where you know you, when you need to be able to put your feet feet down or sometimes you need to hop off the bike to push it or bulldog it down a hill or help push it up a hill or you stall and you want to be able to put your foot down to get it going you know that lower seat height makes that one inch can make a huge difference and that lighter weight can make a huge difference it'd be a difference for you falling over or you uh you know just put your foot down hitting the start button and it has electric start of course that's kind of typical now uh, modern dirt bike these days and we like the electric start at first people were like you don't need electric start on two stroke two strokes are easy to start and that's true they are but when you're in an awkward position on the side of the hill or anywhere else or you're tired at the end of the day and especially with something as big as a 300 cc two stroke you you just want to push the button and go just like you do on any other bike electric start is great and uh the electric start works really well on this one we had had to use it when we first got the bike uh, it had a clogged pilot jet and that brings me of course to the we want fuel injection please 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 you know fuel injection is just so much better uh to deal with uh because you know it's just lower maintenance you don't get a clogged pilot jet and so you know it took a couple hours leaning the bike over pulling the bottom of the carb off pulling out the the jet cleaning the jet putting it back in you know it's just kind of a hassle you know especially on a bike that we had just gotten and you know, Beta is a smaller brand, so they can't do the full break-in type of things that, you know, you'll get from the bigger brands, so when we get the bike, it's new, you know, which is cool, and, but it was, it it, it gotten some gas in there, and the gas had congealed, and it, or there was something left in the tank that, you know, some little particle of something, because the, the pilot jet is pretty small, really small, super small, <laughs> very small, like hair size small, and so, in fact, we didn't even have a, a thin enough wire to poke it out. We had to just, you know, blow it out with a, a solvent. But uh, you know, it's easy to clog, and there's no uh, fuel filter. Uh, you know, because this has the petcock, and between the petcock and the carburetor, there's no fuel filter. So any any little imperfection that gets into that gas tank could also then end up in the pilot jet, and then you have a big hassle. So. Uh, the first time we took it out, we were always having to start it. The bike ran okay, you know, at higher RPM, but, you know, every time we'd come to a stop, it would stall. So, uh, you know, just part of the part of the business of two strokes and carburetors, but we'd like to see the carburetor, you know, on the trash heap of history, because we're just <laughs> tired of right. dealing with it. But, uh, but then we got it cleaned out, and uh, our editor-at-large, Bill Cranhold, helped me out on that, because... You know, I have like five thumbs on each hand for uh mechanical stuff and uh, he's quite skilled and he and he's a beta owner, so he know he knew what to do. And that was that was super helpful. And uh, anyway, after we got it run and uh got it cleaned and then got it tuned, you know, tuned the air screw and the uh, uh, Idle screw, which again, this is kind of a funny thing. You know, you kind of forget you, you ride so many bikes that don't have that, and you go, "Oh yeah, I remember doing that." It kind of comes back to you, but it's still kind of a like, "Oh man, I don't want to do this." And but anyway, it ran really good once we got the the, the carburetor clean and we got it tuned bright. It the carburetor was action was perfect, and that kind of brings us into one of the really interesting parts of the bike, and, and kind of the one that that I found most fascinated, fascinating. If I fascinating outside of the fact that they fixed the suspension so well and didn't even make a big deal about it. You know, they just talked about, you know, new stuff, they have new suspension, but you're just not used to it actually making a difference, you know, <laughs> or a big difference, a huge difference going from bad to excellent. You know, that's like somebody, somebody at Beta really cared about that and got it right. But anyway, back to the engine. The engine has two power modes. And we we call it rain and sun because they don't have names; they just have little icons. <laughs> okay. Say emojis on this. There's a button now. It's a switch on the RRs that's on near the steering head. You go up or down. Little light comes on to which one you have. But on this on the X Trainer, they put the the uh, mode selector on a on a dedicated button on the left handlebar, which which is okay. Now in our case, the button the light on the button didn't work. So you'd think, oh shoot, how am I gonna know if I'm in rain mode, which is the it's a cloud with the little rain coming down, or the sun mode, which is a you know repli- <laughs> replication of the sun. Well, it is really easy to tell which one you're in. Just letting out the clutch and rolling on the throttle, you immediately know which one you're in. And so, and it's that difference that really makes the bike kind of interesting. Because on one hand, you'd say, okay, the, now in the rain mode the bike has uh much stronger low-end power much much stronger like as soon as you roll on the throttle it goes and then it starts to flatten out in the mid-range and it really doesn't want to rev that high so it's a real low low rpm it's kind of like a trials bike motor that way of trials bike motor feels a lot of low end medium okay. top end doesn't want to over rev now in the sun mode it's completely different it's kind of is very soft off there, like when you roll on the throttle, it kind of doesn't do a lot, and then as you get into the mid range, the thing takes off and it goes wild, and it's kind of more like the RR engines. So you kind of get like these. You have this bike that's in between a trials bike and a an enduro bike, and it has like two motors. One is the enduro motor, and then one is the trials motor. So it's so it's kind of cool, but so so you're thinking, okay, uh I'm always in the technical stuff. I'm always going to use the the rain mode that has the, you know, more low RPM power. And then the, the sun mode, I would use going wide open across the desert. Now that's true. When you're going across the desert, you do want the sun mode, but in the technical terrain, it really, Matt, it really depends on how, what you're doing, because in the sun mode where there's the low, the weak, low RPM power, and I say weak, it's like relatively speaking, it's still a 300cc two stroke. It's got, it's got grunt. It, it's easy to get traction because it's not delivering a lot of power, which the sun mode. Sometimes you'll just break loose because there's just a little bit too much power going to the rear wheel in the in the in the rain mode at low RPM. So you'll go, oh well, I'll put it in the sun mode and I'll have this really smooth bottom end that keeps traction, which you would want in the rain. So the the rain and the sun modes are kind of like this this theory. Like you could switch them theoretically, sort of. And uh, and they would still like kind of make sense. And another aspect of the uh, the first time, the very first time I was like going out, going through the technical stuff, I was in the sun mode, cause I was thinking, oh, you know, the rain mode, I don't really need that. It's in the sun mode. And I kind of noticed that kind of soft bottom end, but it was, it was fine because where we were riding, there was, you know, I could get speed, I was going good. And then this tricky technical hill climb comes up and I'm like, okay. So I still, you know, I kind of didn't think about changing the mode. I said, I just leave it in the sun mode. I'm going up and I get to the technical part and the RPMs drop and I put on the gas and the kind of bikes kind of going like it, like it's bogging. And I'm (laughs) like, oh, oh, it's bogging. But then I kind of roll it and it's, it only sounds like it's bogging. It's like you roll on the throttle just a little bit more and it just pulls a little bit more. It just goes. So even though it has the sound of bogging, it's actually pulling pretty good. And it's working good. The bike isn't, isn't losing power. Like if it's bogging, you know, you kind of lose speed. This had the bog sound, but not the bog reaction. And when I put right. you know, Bill Cranhold on it, he had the same thing. He's like, oh, wow, that's really weird. Yeah, it's like, it sounds like it's bogging, but it's not bogging. It's 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 pulling. It's going good. So that was kind of this, this as we were testing it, this kind of constant refrain. You almost want to put it in that mode just in, at low RPM just so you could feel that strangeness of oh i'm hearing bogging but the bike's pulling and it's going good so you know it was it was a real it's an interesting thing how they did it and how you know you kind of perceive things as being and then how they work and then how you decide in each situation which mode do i want like i said in high speed mode if you're going high speed across the desert or some kind of fast trail or dirt road yeah, you're going to be in the sun mode. That's not a for option. But when you're in the uh, the rain mode, there was no technical stuff. The rain mode, maybe, maybe not. You know, it just will depend on exactly the conditions. And and the more you would ride the bike, and you know, as, as an owner, the more you'd know. Oh yeah, I need this. I need this mode for what I'm doing. And you know, it's it's always going to be a combination of your style and and conditions. So you can switch those modes on the fly, just with no problem. Right. Well the button kind of, you kind of have to take your, you can't quite reach it with your thumb. You kind of have to take your left hand off the grip just momentarily, just that extra inch, you know? So there does have to be kind of a smooth spot moment where you can do it, but you don't have to shut the engine off or anything else. And because it's not fuel injected, it's, you know, it's a carburetor. It's just something where it advances the timing, you know, it does something to the timing. Okay. Then that's why it won't over rev when you have the, 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 the rain mode. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it's old school the way they did it. And we've, we've experienced that on other bikes, like 300RR for instance, has it. And it's noticeable. This one feels a little bit more noticeable. uh, So maybe the the difference that they make is there, but it's, it's not as big a deal as some of the, you know, fuel injected modes, but it's definitely, I mean, you can't miss it. It's not like you go, which mode am I in? You, (laughs) You let the RPMs drop and put on the gas. You'll know right away. Which one you're in, or try to rev it high, and you'll know which one you're in. So maybe if you're in the mid range, it's not so noticeable, but you know, <laughs> you're not always going to be riding around the mid range. As soon as you like I said, let the RPMs drop or try to rev it out, you'll you'll know which one you're in. And so, so right away we have this bike that we've kind of had a, a you know, I want to say a negative attitude towards. It. it was like one of disappointment. You know, you're like, oh man, this is such a great concept, and why can't they? spend some money or time or whatever it takes to get good suspension on it and now beta does have a, a system a thing called build your own beta and if you want to you know you can put only suspension on it if you want but all of a sudden you know you're spending another five grand right. But you can do it you know if you say hey you know what i like this form factor i don't care how much it costs i'm gonna put all the doodads that i want on it is in addition to like you know major components like suspension, so they always offered that kind of option. They it it and they have different like levels that you can get O or you could get different internals for the suspension. You know there there was a lot of options, but they weren't cheap. You know you're looking at least two thousand dollars to upgrade the suspension, and you know the bike is not. You know that's kind of not what the bike is about in a way. So right. you know it's not a high performance bike. Most people don't want to spend a lot of money upgrading a, a bike that's quote lower performance. And I mean, but the price is lower than the enduro bikes. It's 82 99. So it's, it's a little bit less expensive, not, not super less expensive, but you know, you know, if you don't like the Olay, cause that's the company O L L E uh, suspension, you know, you, you can upgrade it. Like I said, either by just the internals or, you know, completely new uh, uh, units from Olean's. But, you know, we had the standard suspension on it. And for the first time we were satisfied. Now it only has 10.6 inches of travel. When I say only, that sounds like a lot to somebody who rides a street bike, but a dirt bike's normally around 12. So, you know, it's it's shorter, but most people aren't using up 10 inches of travel. Uh, You know, they might once in a while. You know, in in our riding, I think I bottomed it out one time. You know, and so it's soft, but ten inches is still a lot. But again, I wasn't riding super fast stuff as much as I was riding super technical stuff. Okay. And for that, the suspension is great. It's like you know, it's always about the right tool for the job. And in this case, you know, the right tool is the uh, you know is 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 this bike for something slow. So you know, all those all those features you know, that whole, the, the the execution of the bike is really right for the first time. Now this year, the reason they gave it to us or the reason they were kind of pushing it on us is that it has some new things about it. And I can't claim to be, have been is uh, intimately experienced with the bike because again, we haven't just haven't ridden it that much because of, of our previous experiences. That's a new subframe that gave it a new air box for new more airflow. And maybe that helped the motor you know so that's that's good you know the bike looks good it got new plastic with that so everything you know the kind of it looks the bike looks cool you know it's it's a it's a italian bike from a boutique brand and they know how to make it look cool oh and they also have you know i talked about the electric start they have a new uh lithium ion battery that they say is lighter and more powerful and it is powerful because i mean no matter how many times you push that button it starts that bike up not that it's hard to do that but you know two strokes easy you know over, but it still did it all the time and that's not always the case on on some dirt bikes where they try to cheat the size of the battery to keep the bike lighter uh you know it has other cool things like it has the diaphragm style clutch it has you know the kind of curved disc instead of the springs and uh i really like that Uh, kawasaki has that on their new kx uh, motocross bikes they've had it for a couple years now and uh KTM is used at KTM, Husqvarna, Gas Gas. And it's, I like the feel of them. And uh, some people, they don't, some people do. I'm in the, the I do. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's that's a good aspect of it. Uh, it's a two stroke, but you don't have to mix the oil. Uh, there's an oil tank on it and you just pour oil and then it injects the oil into the, you know the case read in, induction motor. So you don't have to deal with mixing gas. So if you're with a friend that rides four strokes you just you know you're set you just put the same you can put the same gas or if you run out of gas out in the middle of nowhere and you oh shoot i need to put gas in this you can just put any gas. you know any gas will work whereas you know on a two-spoke that requires premix, you'd have to go oh well did i bring gas oil with me and uh we haven't even run through the tank yet it's supposed to be five rides about but i think it'll last longer you know that'd be five rides if you're like holding it wide open you know and so one of the nice things about oil injection is that it uses less oil more precise. Yeah. And the bike doesn't have a bunch of oil drooling out of the exhaust, which is nice. And, and also uh, we rode the bike with a, an FMF spark ruster uh, muffler, not the stock one. And theoretically that might've padded down the power a bit, uh, maybe at the top end, but again, for what the bike is, it had plenty of, it had plenty of power and, uh, you know, you're, on this, you're really concerned about low and, and mid-range more than just, you know, screaming it. Because the bike doesn't feel right when you're screaming it. You know, I, you know, I'd rev it up and just see how it is. But you always just want to shift sooner than get anywhere near
0: the over-rev. It sounds like a great bike, but obviously it's physically smaller. So who exactly is this aimed at? Well, it's just aimed at somebody who wants
1: a smaller bike, which
0: sounds kind of funny. But seven, eights, So like game. novices, novices on the dirt, or is this more like a for sort of teenagers just getting into the sport?
1: No, it's, it's, it, there's two different kind of concepts of it. One is it's smaller. So a newer rider would be happy with it. You know, in some ways, uh, this bike would be more, you know, appealing to uh, uh, a new rider. You think normally a new rider, I'm not going to put a new rider on a 300cc two stroke. There's no way but with it smaller and lighter, a new rider could get on this. And if they had a decent amount of previous experience, not like a ton, but just a little bit so that they understood how to ride a dirt bike, they'd be like, oh yeah, this, this is easy to ride. This is great. But the other is for the kind of guy, kind of like me, who, wants, who likes to go on really tough technical trails where it's really challenging, it's not easy. And, and you're working through this and you're working through that. And on a taller bike, know with longer travel suspension and more weight and everything's up high you know you can't dab as much it's a lot trickier to do that uh some of the trails we were on if i was on the 300 rr it would be you know it gets a little sketchy when you got to put your feet down when things get rough whereas on this bike you know that one extra inch you just always seem to be able to put your foot down and so you can pass through and so it's you know the kind of i'd say the two people that you'd be looking for people who want a bike that's super good in technical stuff and they're not concerned about speed or somebody moving up from let's say a, a play bike four stroke you know a, a 230 a 250 or you know 150 even and said okay i want a bigger bike i want you know more capability but i don't want to be overwhelmed by the bike i mean this bike is you know 50 pounds less than a honda crf uh, 250f play bike the four stroke now it's twice wow. it's cost twice as much you know as we always know and always tell people you know cutting weight costs money you know it's like people always right. want the bike to be super lightweight and inexpensive and it's like well it's you're not you're not gonna get both of those at the same time you know you're gonna have to give up one and in this case right. beta said we we're gonna build a premium trail bike friendly trail bike and you know again 216 pounds is pretty light you know uh, yeah you know again bill cranhold when he was loading the bike he goes this bike doesn't weigh anything you know because he's, <laughs> he's used to pushing up you know his his he has a uh, husky 450 and he's like used to pushing that up which is not a heavy bike you know but right it's, it's relatively to this bike it weighs a ton and so he's like man this bike weighs nothing this is great and when he wrote it he he had also had the you know negative experiences with the previous X trainers. And this time he's like, wow, this, this bike is cool. And he was like, I might get one of these. This is really cool bike, you know? And <laughs> so, and he had kind of sworn off two strokes because two strokes are kind of dirty. They kind of require more maintenance. The maintenance is easier. You know, if you want to do a top end job on a two stroke it's not the end of the world. Whereas on a four stroke, it's a huge undertaking but you got to do it more often. So you kind of go, well, you know, which, which poison do I want? Do I want the infrequent maintenance that's a big pain when I have to do it? Or do I want the frequent ma- maintenance that's kind of, you know, I have to do? So, oh, difficult. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like half a dozen of one six of the other. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, two strokes don't feel as refined. Four strokes have gotten so refined over the years you know this bike doesn't feel as re- refined when your like a, <laughs> you rev it's like it's kind of clattery and and it's it's not a knock on the beta it's just the, the way two strokes feel after you get used to four strokes because you know i grew up riding two strokes and they right. seem like they were like bzz, bzz, bzz. but now when you go back to them especially on a big one like a 300 you know there's a lot more clattery than there is like say on a 125 which is more like a little buzzing bee so Right. You know, you, you just have to look at it and say, well, which, which person am I, what, you know, and this is always, this is always the case with motorcycles when people want me to recommend a motorcycle to them or, you know, it's, it's really very, a very personal thing. And it's like, who are you and where do you ride and how do you ride and what expectations do you have? And that's something you have to ask yourself on a street bike, you know, or a dirt bike. You know, you look at what you want and then you go, okay, does that actually, is that actually what I need or I would be happy with when I go riding? You know, a guy that like zooms around town and goes up in the canyons once in a while, he may look at, you know, a Yamaha R1 and go, yeah, look at that. That is so cool. And I look at the position I'm in. And, and then you go, yeah, but see that MT-10, you know, if I know that, you'd be like comfortable and you could probably even go faster because you can see where you're going in the canyons and you have good leverage and, you know, so you have to go, well, yeah, but it, but it doesn't have a 200 horsepower. It only has 175. It's like, yeah, 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 I know. I know. But you're not up to 200 horsepower, dude, you know, just let it go, you know? And I think as the more experienced you get riding, the more you understand that concept that you don't, you know, you're in the real world. You know,
0: torque rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this this sounds like a really good good bike for sort of an, an an intermediate, clearly not a beginner, but maybe even it's something that maybe I would like. Yeah. You know, because obviously I've been riding motorcycles a long time. I know how to ride a motorcycle. I can ride them pretty well, but I've never ridden off-road. So I have no experience. So I look at these big tall off-road bikes and I think, oh man, I could get into trouble on that really quickly. But this sounds like it would be a lot more manageable and a good way to learn for somebody who actually knows how to ride.
1: Right, right. And then it has the, the added capability. that It's really a great technical terrain bike. You know, it's, okay. so it's it's a bike that works for experts and, well, maybe not the top expert. You know, those guys have requirements that I can't even, you know, really comprehend. But somebody who's very experienced knows exactly what they're doing. And somebody who's new and that's not an easy combination you know but and what you trade away is that it's not like a fast bike you know and some people they want a fast bike and they ride fast in the desert and beta offers two other 300s that you can do that with and if you want the you know craziest of terrain they offer a 300cc trials bike that you could ride you know <laughs> so for a small company they're they're actually they covered the
0: bases by the same yeah road. they have like
1: five 300cc bikes at I think about it, let's see, they have a a 300cc two-stroke and 300cc four-stroke trials bike. Then they have the three like trail type bikes, two-stroke trail type bikes, the RR and the RR Race and the X-Trainer. So there, there's five 300cc bikes they have. Now they don't make a 300cc four-stroke enduro type bike they only they stick with the 390 430 i think it is in 500 like with the big or 490 or whatever the big motors for their their four strokes but for the the two strokes they have a big wide range of of bikes and you know betas are cool to have i mean you know they're made in italy and they look cool and this one's red sometimes they're white and that's not as cool this is red and anybody that looks at the bike, oh, that's a really cool looking bike. And, you, you know, on a street bike, you, you you know, you're used to having wanting to have a cool looking bike. But even if you ride a dirt bike, you know, when you drive through uh, McDonald's, as we did, and the guy looks at the bikes in the back and he sees the bike, oh, that's a cool looking bike, you know, it's got that Italian red. And that's that's part of the fun of being a motorcycle rider. Again, whether you ride a dirt bike or you ride in the street is, is you know, you're kind of Steve McQueen for, for a couple hours, you know. <laughs> yeah bike even when you're not on the bike and there people are looking at the bike they're going oh well that's cool you know so yeah uh, it's very you know, since it's nicely styled the bike looks great and uh so it this is kind of the this the story of how you can be disappointed in a, a model and in this case we were disappointed twice but somebody at beta you know over in italy came through and said, you guys, we really got to, you know, they're saying this in Italian, of course, you guys, we really got to <laughs> fix the suspension on that bike. You know, whoever's their test is like, man, i you, we, can, we can do better than this. There's, it's, it's gotta, there's gotta be a way to fix this. And, and they finally got through and uh, it just, completely transformed the bike from being like well it's kind of cheap and it's kind of small so that's kind of cool and you can ride at these kind of places but it's not that much fun to ride because the suspension is not that good but I, this bike is awesome to ride i love it and so that's that's a big change and uh it's funny that it shows how important suspension is yeah. you know yeah <laughs> and sure. you know sometimes it's tires uh in this case it's not the tires that are the issue and uh uh, it's the the suspension was the problem, and uh, they and beta has finally fixed it. So that's the story on uh, the new beta X trainer. Which, like I said, I I just found it super interesting. It's super fun, and it's you know we do what we do. And a lot of times when there's a new bike, the, the improvement is incremental, and it can still be noticeable, but it's not like this whoa you know kind of thing. And in this case, it was like a whoa kind of thing. <laughs> where he went wow this bike that i didn't like i really like now and yeah. and again it was it was noticeable really quickly you know so anything like that you go it's not like oh yeah i'm starting to notice it no no no. it's like wow this is a completely different bike and so congratulations to beta i can now when people say hey should i get an extra and i go yeah but you know don't get it anything before 2023 but you know, unless it's got like the only suspension or something, but you, this is now
0: a totally legit dirt bike. Awesome. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks, Don. I really appreciate it. It sounds great. Okay. Thanks. In our second segment, Associate Editor T.J. Adams chats with Ashley Lutzky. She's the co-founder of Kickstands Up, the one place where riders of every style can connect to all the motorcycle rides, races, meetups, and rallies in their area. Ashley is a long-time off-road rider, yet she still doesn't consider herself an expert. She recently returned from a serious ADV trip to Baja, California and she and TJ chat about the challenges for young women learning to ride off-road. Reputation precedes it, unmatched performance and striking style define it. We're talking about the 2023 Suzuki Hayabusa. This legendary sport bike is the quickest, most technologically advanced and aerodynamic Hayabusa ever. Its raw power and unparalleled acceleration matches your own drive while its head-turning design embodies your spirit's flair. Led by the Suzuki Intelligent Ride System, the Hayabusa gives riders a comprehensive collection of electronic rider aids like the bi-directional shifter, the drive mode selector, launch control system and the cruise control system that simultaneously increases performance comfort and rideability, while its advanced analogue and TFT LCD display panel connects you to the ride like never before, blending over 20 years of tradition with innovation. Plus, the Hayabusa comes in three new eye-catching colour combinations and it offers a full suite of available Suzuki Genuine accessories that you can choose from. The ultimate rider waits, So head into your local Suzuki dealer now or visit SuzukiCycles.com to learn more.
2: Yeah, so I grew up around motorcycles. My mom was like really interested in like the Harley community and went to all those different like Laconia and Daytona Bike Week and all those things. Um, Your
3: mom. Wow, that's that's fantastic. She
2: didn't, she didn't ride herself, um, but she was really like interested in that community. Um, And so, you know, my, my stepdad had a motorcycle. And so I grew up around kind of that Chrome Harley scene on one side of my family. And then her brother, my uncle is an avid off-road motorcyclist and kind of a, a, a very successful amateur racer up in New England. And so I had kind of these two motorcycle worlds that were always like orbiting me. Um, but I didn't really get into motorcycling myself until kind of later
3: on in as an adult. Wow. What a great start though, because you you had the two different worlds to give you options.
2: Yeah, definitely. And there was definitely this like curiosity about two, two wheels that I think I had from a, from a very young age. Um, I think that for me, it was, it was hard to see myself represented in like what a motorcyclist is um, as a woman, um, as a particularly like risk averse woman as well. Like I don't consider myself much of a daredevil. Um, And because of that, I, I kind of saw motorcycling as something that was just cool but like not for me um and I think that it took kind of all those years of being around it and being exposed to it and being like man this is something that like I really want to try and I really want to explore and it took kind of me getting into like my early 20s to be like okay like I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a shot even if I don't think it's for me I'm curious enough about it that I really want to see see what it's like for myself
3: right and so did your uncle start you off for dirt bikes or did you go down the road route
2: no so actually he didn't start me out the funny thing about him so when I was younger he like um he would get me and he his sons as well he would put us on these little like you know stock kind of honda automatic dirt bikes and we kind of play around the yard and stuff um but when I got into motorcycling as an adult it was actually because my partner at the time my current partner actually we got into it together um about eight years ago and um he was just like really supportive in the way that like I needed to learn. And so we started, we started in the dirt first. I want to say it was pretty parallel. So I started dirt first. Um, My uncle was actually, he had an extra small bike that was my cousins at the time. And so he gave that to me and I, I messed around um, in a big empty field and just kind of took my time kind of learning through the gears and, and doing it at my own pace. Um, And then once I kind of had a feel for the dirt world, we quickly, pivoted over to the street as well and I kind of got my legs under me there but it was always like a really slow burn it was like each day I kind of needed to go out and have a series of like little victories that stacked on top of each other so I could like build my confidence to right get into it like full
3: force. Wow that's a great journey because you know you've you've kind of taking your time to make yourself safe as it were. Did you do any training? Did you go to any official training or just?
2: I think I went straight. I'm trying to think. I didn't do any early trainings. I will say for the road, I did the Motorcycle Safety Foundation's course in my local area. Um, I had already had some dirt experience under my belt, so I felt pretty confident, Um, but I would definitely, for anybody who's getting into, especially riding on the street, just because there's so many things to think about, there's also habits that just, like, don't translate well between dirt riding and street riding, even, like, your, you know, your reliance on whether it's, like, more your front brake or your rear brake, like, those things are completely different based on the two disciplines, so anybody who's really considering getting into riding, I would highly recommend taking those motorcycle safety courses, because they just give you again like the repetitions and the confidence to really step out onto the road and feel comfortable
3: and then what did you buy what did you start riding my, okay so my first street bike was a Buell blast it was like oh well,
2: wow. I wasn't expecting that I know it was like two thousand dollars it had like a it had a belt it was belt fed it was or belt chain and it was it was just again, it felt accessible to me. I could put both of my feet on the ground. I hadn't spent like a bunch of money on it either. So I wasn't nervous about like, Oh, what if I drop this thing? Like it wasn't some crazy, huge investment. Um, and it felt, I don't know, it had a really loud exhaust too. So I felt pretty cool, you know, <laughs> riding sound yes. For the first times, but yeah, that was a really fun beginner bike. It was really reliable. Um,
3: really just like tame. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that's the most unusual first bike i think i've heard of <laughs> well a, a sensible size at least <laughs>
2: Yeah, sensible size yeah it was a it was a bit of fun and then i transitioned over um i probably had the buell for like less than a year and then i transitioned over to um my ktm duke 690 um which i just love that bike um i had it until i actually just sold it about 6 months ago but it was just so light and so nimble and And as you can imagine, the Buell was a little bit like clunkier and then the KTM was just so well balanced and, and so kind of easy to navigate through the turns. And, um, I just, I loved that bike.
3: Wow. And then then you started going out, um, group riding or were you commuting to work or?
2: Yeah, predominantly group riding. And so I'm originally from the Northeast, from like New England. And I, I lived in Pennsylvania when I got into dirt and street, Um, And out there, like it's so fun because you can just, you know, pull out of your driveway and you can get anywhere on like, you know, a two lane road, like it's just it's really, really beautiful riding And, and again it's really accessible because you don't have to go on the highway, you don't have to hit you know high speeds or anything like that or worry about tons of traffic it's just kind of that beautiful rural country riding and so I did a lot of that I did a lot of group riding with friends. Um, and kind of just exploring kind of the the countryside and kind of rural Pennsylvania. Um, and then about four years ago, we moved out to San Diego. And that was a big transition for me because it is a lot of you know, you've got to take the highway to get to places. You've got to kind of there's just a lot more traffic and congestion and exposure. um, you know, lane splitting for the first time. there's there's a lot to learn kind of in yes.
3: this new environment, yeah, that can be daunting, yeah. Yeah. And then but you carried on dirt riding. I just had a look at your Instagram. It seems like you've done quite a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah. I love dirt, is my is my heart. It's my passion. Um, I do get out on the street from time to time. Um, I also have like dabbled in adventure riding, which is like a perfect blend of the two. So I have a good friend who has a seven ninety adventure R that uh he lets me take out on some adventures. And so I've done Baja riding on that. And we did a trip to Joshua tree and that's the best of both worlds for me because, you know, I can, I can take this big dirt bike, if you will, um, out, out on the trails. And I can also like, I, it's accessible. I can ride on the roads as well. Uh, but yeah, dirt, dirt riding is, is my first love I would say. And I've been doing that pretty consistently for the past eight years. Um, and there's just something about it. Like the, it's basically for people who don't ride motorcycles at all. When they ask me like, what, what is this thing that you do? And, um, <laughs> I always say, it's like, it's like hiking and exploring, but on a motorcycle, like you can go to some of the most beautiful places, places that other people will never see. Um, and it's all accessible on this, on this machine that kind of gets you there. And I love that. I love the explorative nature of, of dirt bike riding.
3: Yeah, that's a good description. I haven't heard that before, actually. Most people talk about, you know, the challenge of the terrain and that sort of thing as the enjoyment. But you're right, you can get to some really amazing places. And there are all sorts of trails. Off-road is great around the USA. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing
2: too. Like we live in this beautiful country that's like so incredibly diverse. And so the places that you can explore and the things that you can see and, and the connection to the natural world that I think is sometimes lost when you think about motorcycling. And especially when when outsiders look at kind of, the let's say environmental impact of motorcycling and things like that. I think there's there's this misconnection that it is a way for folks to get out and connect with nature and um and just explore and see what's out there.
3: Yeah, it's also great. I mean we know as you can tell I'm old, older than you, lots older, a lot of um more mature people, shall we say. And once you start getting a bit less able, it's still a really good way to be able to go out and do that as a sport and get out into the yeah. Get out into the countryside. Um, so what was Baja like? I've never been there. Baja was beautiful. Um, Baja is incredible. I've gone down a
2: couple of times. Um, I've gone down just on my dirt bike, um, a a few times. And then most recently we did an adventure ride that was, you know, it's funny with those adventure bikes. It's always truly an adventure. I find, you know, someone's got some sort of a mechanical thing, or there's just always something that pops up (laughs) definitely our experience in Baja. Um, but it's just, it's just really, really gorgeous terrain. It's just really and 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 it's cool it's cool to also have access to like another culture that's right, you know, that's so accessible from our backyard in San Diego. And so to be able to to be able to kind of explore in that way is just it's been really fun,
3: yeah, go experience the different foods and just yeah, see that whole other world. I'd like to go one day I will um so um moving on, were you working with motorcycles back then or did you have some sort of different type of job? No,
2: so my the majority of my career has actually been in the nonprofit world. Um I have always kind of worked in non in the nonprofit education space. Um I'm a firm believer um you know, in, in in our education system and an educational equity um, as a pathway to economic mobility for young people. And so I've spent about the past decade in my career really focused on how we can make either the public education system or now the higher education system um, more equitable for students across the country. Um, and so, yeah, it was an interesting foray. I've kind of l- lived two hats, right? I've I've done the nonprofit um, fund development, finance and operations. I've been in that world for quite some time. And then I've always just kind of had this like weekend warrior kind of passion um, for off-road motorcycling. And so, Um, Very recently, I took the leap to kind of merge my my professional expertise in, you know, building and scaling companies into a world that I feel really passionate about in motorcycling.
3: So tell us a bit about that. This is the company that um, I heard about, Kickstands Up. Yeah, so Kickstands Up is um,
2: kind of the first of its kind um events platform specifically geared for the motorcycle community. Um, it was built by three again, like I say, the co-founders were all you know weekend warriors, motorcycle enthusiasts through and through and, um, one of the things that we kept stumbling a- across was that like it's really hard to find motorcycle events any other way other than like through word of mouth. Like you have to be really connected to the community to know what's happening. Or like we always joke that we had this moto FOMO because we'd be you know scrolling through Instagram and see that someone just did some really cool event that we would have loved to have gone to or loved to have even known about and now we have to wait a year um, for it to come back around or something like that and so and then you know inevitably something comes up and we miss it again for another year so there's <laughs> things that we've been dreaming of for you know years on end now that that we were um that we struggled to find and so you know we were like there's got to be something out there and we were searching for the solution and it didn't exist and so we were like well we'll build it. Um, And so kickstands up is, is for all types of riding modalities. So whether you're into the cruiser world or the dirt scene, or you're an avid scooter rider, um, it's a place where you can go to find events that you're interested in. Um, And you can also say, you know, you save those events and we give you automated reminders. So you never have to worry about missing an event if it's coming up, if you had expressed interest. Um, And for me, like the, the platform itself is really powerful, but I think what's what's most powerful about it. And what I'm most excited about is it makes motorcycling of all disciplines accessible for everyone.
3: Yeah, that's really interesting. I thought it was just dirt bikes. So that's great to hear that you're covering everything. It's the whole, it's the whole spectrum. So, and, and
2: just for a little bit more context, it's free to become a user. It's also free to become a host and post your event. And, and being a host can be anything from you know starting one of the biggest motorcycle rallies in the country down to you know you have a ride coming up this weekend and you want to meet more local friends. So again, it's just we're trying to create this community platform where riders can connect and 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 learn about events and be able to just get out there and ride more. Um, and again, I think that accessibility is something that's really really important if we want the community to grow and if we want people to to develop kind of the lifelong passion that like I have for motorcycling that kind of
3: starts with having it it right at your fingertips. So you obviously had this idea and you had to get it going. Did you start stalking or carry on stalking other people's events and saying, hey,
2: that's fair. I guess we 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 continued doing what we were doing in the first place, which is just looking uh, for, on all ends of the internet for information on motorcycle events. But yeah, it's kind of been a two-pronged pronged approach. So we are a new platform, um we just launched publicly in October of 2022. Um and so we've been working pretty consistently. Um we have some we have a data entry team that kind of supports us in in building out our kind of portfolio of of events. And so we've got about 1200 events on the platform now and that number is growing every day. Um and and what we're engaged in currently is so all of that is kind of self inputted, but what we're engaged in currently is ensuring that we can get um we can get event hosts on, themselves onto the platform and so either posting events that are, don't already exist there or if they see their event already on the platform it's a perfect opportunity to kind of hand the keys over if you will and allow them to start self managing their events as well.
3: Wow, that's a fantastic idea! So we should shout out really and say, "Hey, anybody listening? If you're running an event, and is it any type of event, even sort of a a bike meet, like a hundred percent meet
2: anything, or is it just rides? It's anything. Um, it, and it's a very easy. I know that you know sometimes with new technologies it can be a bit daunting, like, oh, this is one more thing that I have to learn. It's a really easy step-by-step process. It walks you through, um, you know, you choose, you know, the simple things like what's the location of your event and what's your event size. And then what you can also do is um, you can select like what riding styles your event actually caters to. And then also what type of so if it's a camp out or a meetup or a rally or a race, all of those things are kind of embodied within the event. And then once you're done, it, it spits out a beautiful kind of like custom landing page that you can share with your existing audiences. And it gets kind of funneled into the feed where folks can find um, events that they're looking
3: for. So hopefully it also gives event hosts more exposure as well. So if I put a link for people to go on to, they can just load their own events. Absolutely. Mm hmm. So and it's just yourself running the business or um, No, fortunately stay with the people who had the ideas. You yeah. all had the idea.
2: <laughs> fortunately, it's not just me. Um we have a really well-balanced kind of core team of co-founders that I'm really excited about. So, um Jay is our chief engagement officer and he actually came up with the idea um and the name. <laughs> he's he's pretty creative in that regard. Um, and so really, this this was his brainchild in that, like, if this thing doesn't exist, like, why not give it a shot? Why not build it? We know that our that our, this group of three people and every other motorcyclist that we've ever talked to have expressed the exact same frustration of how hard it is to find motorcycle events. And to us, to me, that was really compelling because you know, we, we got into motorcycling, kind of all of us got into motorcycling seriously as adults. So, you know, you're looking at people with less than a decade of experience on two wheels. You know, you could think, oh, maybe I'm just not tapped into the right networks, or maybe, you know, it's just maybe maybe there's something that's going on with me. But then we'd talk to folks who'd been riding for 20 30 years and they would the same thing would happen every time they would turn their camera if we were on zoom or they would show us in person this is my physical calendar right like the thing you go by at staples and i hand write down all of the events that i want to go to because i don't want to forget it and like that was a lot of people's approach to like managing uh their their motorcycling calendar and i was like wow well if If, you know, these folks who are who are lifers haven't, you know, been able to figure out a better solution, then we we really got something here. Um, so yeah, Jay, it was Jay was kind of the he's the visionary and kind of the where this all started. And then we were able to partner with John, um, our chief technology officer, who's just an incredible software engineer and just also a visionary and also incredibly passionate about motorcycling. And so the product that you see, the platform that you see has really, it's Jay's vision taken, taken to life with John's hands. And then I've just been fortunate enough to join on to really help um and what look at what kickstands up the the business can be what kickstands up the company can be so figuring out you know our financial model and figuring out what it really takes to kind of take this from ideation to actually scaling a company that's where I've been kind of bringing my expertise
3: that's fantastic so you've gone from an idea that was sort of spurred, sort of spurred from a hobby you've got the idea and then you found a business application essentially so how does how do you make money do you charge people to go on the rides or no
2: so kickstands up will be free to users and event hosts in perpetuity it is it is our intention again like i keep going back to this accessibility content concept but that's very important to us um so we want to make sure that you know riders again can always sign up hosts can always post their events um but we are a really powerful advertising platform um first and foremost especially for the industry we're bringing all of this attention that used to be kind of segmented all over the place, right? Because also there there is kind of a natural siloing that happens depending on what riding style you're into, whether it's the highest level, if you're a dirt rider or a street rider, or if it even silos down to if you're a metric or or a a US, you know, what what type of motorcycle you prefer. Um, And so for us, we want to bring all motorcyclists under one roof and we want to kind of harness all of that attention in one place. And so we're a great advertising platform for various brands, manufacturers, distributors, because you can really target your advertising based off of um based off of kind of our users self-selected interests in a way that you can't really do anywhere
3: else. So predominantly an advertising platform. That's fantastic. That's very targeted actually for people who advertise with you. As you say, they're definitely all going to be motorcyclists, all going to be bikers. Yeah, I mean,
2: you can guarantee that, you know, if you're a manufacturer of custom sissy bars, you might not end up on, the you know, in front of a dirt biker's, you know, attention. And if you're, uh, you know, if you if you make beautiful uh, adventure
3: gear bags or something like that, we can make sure that you actually do get in front of the right audience. So do you have targets, Do you know, sort of how many events you might end up hosting or, you know, putting onto the platform? I mean, the goal is is it just endless.
2: (laughs) It's endless. We we want to put as many events on the platform as there exist in the United States. Um, Jay always actually makes this joke that, you know, there was there was a man named Craig who walked around with a list for years and years before he was Craigslist and, you know, (laughs) convincing people that, hey, if you want to sell a couch, this is the place to do it. And um, I think for kickstands up, it's like we want to be that place where it's like, hey, if you've got a motorcycle event, this is where you go to promote it. And if you're looking for a motorcycle event, this is where you go to find is. So we want to be that kind of household name for people.
3: That's very exciting. What a great idea.
2: Yeah, I really do. I really think that again, like it is exciting for us because we took a hobby and turned it into a business, but I'm also really excited about like what it's going to mean for the industry at large. I think that really what we're trying to do is increase ridership and increase retention and again, get more people who are really passionate about motorcycling or, or who are dipping their toe in for the first time as well to really like be able to find what they're looking for and kind of double down on on this interest.
3: Yeah, so people are even just thinking about setting up a ride, a ride for uh, fundraising, for charity, et cetera. They'll mm-hmm. know that they can go on to your platform on Kickstands Up and they'll get some attention. At least they're immediately going to get people who are looking for rides. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, you're still riding the KTM now your, yourself personally? Yeah. So
2: right now I've, um, I've limited my motorcycle collection down. So I have my KTM 250 EXCF. I ride that constantly. That's like a great like dirt enduro bike. And then I also, i think about two years ago now I got into trials for the first time um and I've really really come to love trials so I have a little beta four-stroke trials bike um which is odd again I feel like I always pick odd bikes a four-stroke trials bike is not kind of the norm but but it's fun for me um so yeah I predominantly spend my time either riding enduro or trials right now
3: right oh so you're in competition
2: Yes, I would say I'm a, I'm a novice in all regards. I, I also am not the most competitive person. I remember um, recently last year I attempted the Tecate Enduro, which is a race actually down in Baja. Um, And it was funny. I lined up at the starting line and there was a a group of four of us women and they were all like gearing to go. And I was like, Oh, you go ahead. Like, I'm just going to trail ride this thing. Like that's kind of my mentality. Uh, I'm not, I'm not exactly the most ferocious racer. I just, I really enjoy it. And I think that really the competitions and the races are an opportunity to just ride in new places um especially in the northeast there's not a lot of like public riding land and so by joining a race series it's that's a really cool way to kind of pop around and ride in different areas that you otherwise might not have access to um and yeah and even in on the west coast where there is a lot more public land and public riding spaces i like joining the different race series just to kind of get me out of my comfort zone and get me to go explore somewhere that i might not otherwise go Good idea,
3: because then you have a course set out. You don't have all the hassle of sort of finding the place. Absolutely, a hundred percent. You just follow the ribbons and you go. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound easy. <laughs> I I just started dirt bike riding. I've done a very little bit, and uh...
2: <laughs> well, you'll have to come down if you find yourself down by us. We'll have to get a ride in together because I love I love taking, especially women who are getting into dirt. That's like my biggest passion. I love teaching women how to ride dirt bikes. I think it's so fun. It's so empowering as well. Um, and again, it just opens up this whole world of exploration to you that
3: otherwise, you know, it might be hard to find. Yeah, that would be awesome. I've yet to find the joy. To me at the moment, it's hard work. I've only just started though, very few little rides. It
2: is. It's a struggle. Yeah, I think back of like when I was first learning, ah, oh, it was frustrating. It was really hard. And I think it's also really difficult if you're learning Well, I'd imagine too, like if you come from street and then you kind of transition over to dirt and you're such a capable street rider, I'd imagine that that there would be kind of a frustration there of like, okay, like I want to be leaps and bounds ahead very quickly on the dirt.
3: Yes. You just feel you can ride. And so you're thinking, why isn't this happening? And as you say, different things like using the different brakes and using your body language differently.
2: Yeah. Not knowing what the bike's going to do under you, not knowing like, like, when how much lost traction is actually okay, how much slide is okay, right? I think all of that are are things that you have to kind of slow. And for me, it was like I had to slowly kind of build that like almost muscle memory. Um, and I had to really take it really slowly and methodically to figure out, okay, like um you know again what level of slide you know is okay and and what is this going to feel like kind of getting over this step up or crossing through this this water crossing um and just getting that kind of under my belt to the point where now I've been riding my 250 for so long that I I've in most cases I kind of know how it's going to react to different types of terrain
3: that's fantastic I love your confidence that's great Yeah. I haven't found the joy in the sliding yet. To me, it's an out of control thing that I'm really trying to get to grips with.
2: Yeah. It's really scary. And it's just eat time. It's just, I've, yeah, it's, it's all that time so that you can, again, just like slowly learn. You can just be kind of stack those building blocks on top of each other and be like, okay, like this feels comfortable. And now how can I push it a little bit further? And then this feels comfortable. At least that's my learning style. I know there's people out there who have a totally different mentality of like, I'm just totally brave and I'm just going to send it. And I admire those people um,
3: tremendously. But for me, it was it was definitely a slow burn. Yeah, it's difficult to learn if you haven't you, you do need some knowledge. You can go gung ho. Uh, well, I guess with most things. But I found I went on a ride with a few other people and I was getting lots of different information, um, lean back, lean forward. And I crashed about four times and I was just exhausted. Yeah, it is. It can really be information overload too. I
2: was thinking about that earlier, even down to like picking the right, the right motorcycle that always feels, especially in the dirt, it's, it always feels like this kind of this challenge because everybody kind of has a different opinion, you know, and especially when you're a woman, you're a woman getting into it. It's like, all right, like what is the right bike that fits my body, you know, fits my height? Um, What's the right bike? You know, what power is appropriate for me? And, you know, should I lower it or should I not lower it? And there's all these different kinds of schools of thought. And i found that you know, the best teacher is kind of experience, right? It's just kind of finding out what's right for you. And it might not be what's right for everybody else. But as long as it's building your confidence, and it's kind of allowing you to kind of unlock
3: new skills, then I think that you just have to go with with your gut, honestly. Back to kickstands up, because I love the idea of this. What's the the overall plan, you'll just carry on expanding that until you can get it to be sort of a money earner so that you can devolve that as your main income yeah that's
2: the hope I mean I think that yeah I think that the approach is twofold obviously we want to create any business has to have some sort of a plan towards sustainability right and so we're we're kind of early days to figure out what what those kind of monetization strategies are fully going to look like but I feel really strongly that we're building something that there's a genuine need for that that we found a problem within this industry, and that we built something that can really solve that problem. And so for right now, our primary focus is just on getting the word out and getting users and getting riders onto the platform, and getting hosts onto the platform and letting them see the value and the utility of the thing that we've built. Um, And so we, we, yeah, right now, it's really focused on how do we get the community involved? How do we get the community engaged? And how do we kind of prove that there is a true market for our platform? And then, you know, we'll figure out the rest down the
3: road. It's fantastic.
2: So there's one thing that, that I would kind of highlight that was really important, especially like if you're thinking through, at least for me, like how kind of my motorcycle journey evolved. There's a big piece in this that I feel is really important to know, especially as a woman coming into the sport, um, is the number of like women focused communities that have popped up over the years. Um, And that was a really big turning point for me. So if you look at kind of like my trajectory of like, I grew up around motorcycles of all different kinds, but I didn't see myself as a motorcyclist and I didn't have the confidence to really become a motorcyclist, if you will. Um, And then I got into it a bit, right? Like I said, in my early twenties as an adult, and I had kind of the right environment and a really supportive partner to kind of nudge me along in the way that I needed to learn and to kind of teach me what he was learning as well um and to kind of have that experience together but it was still like you know I had this view of 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 what it again like what it meant to be a motorcyclist and what it meant to be kind of in this male dominated space and again like all my all the people that I was learning from were men they were significantly better riders than me because either they'd been doing it for longer or they were just naturally really talented and so I always kind of saw myself as like Okay, well, I'm learning how to ride a motorcycle, and I have fun riding a motorcycle. But there's always kind of a limit to how far I can take this or what I can do. Like, I never saw myself like racing or, you know, even competing or anything like that. And then it really changed for me. I found out about um, this. This I, I met someone who was uh, who was kind of dipping her toe into doing women's off-road motorcycle events. Um, and so I met her kind of in her early days, where she was she was doing kind of a pilot event. Um, And I found out about it through Instagram and it's now evolved into a, a beautiful event on both coasts called over and out, but she, but it was, it was her first year and she was opening it up to, I think like 25 women to just go up to upstate New York and just ride motorcycles together and just like feel out what this community would feel like. And I'd been talking to this other woman online for like, I don't know, like a year. And she was a, she was a. Competitive racer, did hair scrambles and enduros and all these things in the Northeast. And we had never really connected. And I remember I was like, hey, I'm going to this event do you want to come along? And, and I just picked her up. We'd never met each other before in person. We'd just been going back and forth online. We were going to this other event that like we knew very little about, but it was all women. And it was the first time that I had just ever been in community with a bunch of other women who rode dirt bikes. And there was something so beautiful and empowering about that space and something that really changed for me because I saw women of all different riding styles, all different capabilities. Um, you know i i saw what was possible if you just kind of pushed the limitations out of your head and for me that was like a really big transformational moment and i think it's why i've gone to a lot of women's motorcycle events since then i've gone to like the babes ride out and babes in the dirt and all of these different kind of you know spaces specifically curated for women and there's there's kind of a magic that happens there and there's a real beauty that happens there because I think representation really does matter. And so to see yourself reflected in this community and to see other women who really push the boundaries and, and you know, who are really talented riders and who are willing to also teach you. Um, I think it's it's one thing to learn from from the men in your community, but it's another thing to learn from another woman, um, how to improve your riding practice. And so I'm really grateful for those communities that I have found. Um, and especially with what we're doing with Kickstands Up, part of at least the mission of, of us three co-founders is to really show the diversity of the motorcycle community and the representation of the motorcycle community across the country. Um, and especially for me, you know, lifting up the voices of, of women riders and, and being able to even even when you search for motorcycle events on Kickstands Up, there's a women focused category. So you can kind of drill into to finding your community um, and, and finding where, where you're reflected in the space. And I think that's really important.
3: I think so I think it gives you it's a different environment when you are uh, with women it's more of a sharing than competitive environment and that's not to say anything against guys it's just I think the nature of the beast personally that's my opinion I would agree with that for sure yeah I've been out we went on uh, a ride a a bunch of girls um, fairly recently about a month ago and everybody was so helpful they sort of always seem to have an eye out and give you handy tips and that sort of thing. Maybe it's just because, you know, you're you're sort of gelling and you you have the same sort of issues and problems.
2: Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, and that's sometimes where like, you know, you see, you, you know, you see a guy do like a particularly challenging feature off-road. And you're like, well, I can't do that. He's six two and you know, has incredible upper body strength. And I'm, you know, five five on a good day and can't even touch the ground on my tippy toes. Um, so how is that possible but then you know when you see for me when you see a woman you know who who can do those same feats it's like okay well you know now now there's there's a bit more uh, hope and inspiration
3: there (laughs) yeah you see it tackled in a different way
2: (laughs) totally I'm like okay well no it's not just strength and and height it actually there's a lot of skill here too that can get you over this feature so maybe I just need to approach it a different way or try to figure it out differently
3: Yeah, teaching or learning some different tactics for getting getting through issues and problems. It's like a life lesson, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I wish you every luck. I mean, I think it's a marvellous idea. There are lots of um, groups for ladies. and I think there's, you know, on Facebook and I think they sort of struggle a bit because quite a few have got together, but they're not actually able to do anything because they tend to be all over the place. And uh, I like your story of how you met up with somebody you didn't even no, and uh, off you went.
2: Well, and we hope that Kickstands Up can solve that on the the host or promoter side as well, because we experienced the pain point as riders first. We were like, hey, it's really hard to figure out what's going on. It's really hard to find these opportunities, but I can imagine it's equally difficult as an event host or promoter to say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get the word out about this thing that I've built, about this event that I'm really excited about, and I don't know exactly where to go, right? And so, you know, a lot of your options are like, you know, 20 years ago, I feel like the the local dealership used to be like a big hub of motorcycle community and culture. And I think that that's just changed the relationship, you know, in, in many dealerships has become more transactional, or they've just become kind of more big box kind of real t- retail stores. And, and so that that sense of community can be lost. And so if you're not And also it's just, it's, we live in a different world, you know, printing out a flyer and bringing it to your local dealer or your coffee shop in any other world just isn't the way of doing things anymore. And so if, if the dealerships aren't super connected to what's going on, and then really your other option is just to throw a bunch of money at, you know, digital advertising and hope that the algorithm is in your favor that day, you know, those aren't really great options for getting the word out. Um, And so I think that there is this challenge where once again, it goes back to what, you know, what we experienced as riders in the first place is like, we have to know the right people to know what's going on. And I think that on the host perspective, Kickstands Up provides an opportunity that you're not just consistently marketing what you've got going on to the same group of people. Others can actually stumble across it and and be able to go out and see what you're doing.
3: Do you have um, kids events yet? I mean, I'm sure you will have. We're all for starting, you know, young riders.
2: Yeah. So we're open. We're definitely opening up um again any 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 event whatsoever is is absolutely welcome on our platform we do have some some youth focused events and then we also have some spectator only events as well cuz i think it's important that folks can just stumble across you know where can i go see the pros race or where can i go take my child so that they can see kind of uh, how exciting this world is. And so, yeah, we definitely have kids events that are up on the platform. A lot of the, the off-road races also have like youth races that happen the day before those events. So we're able to capture kind of the whole, the whole experience that's available to folks in any given weekend. Um, and then, yeah, the spectator events, I think is another really great opportunity to at least get kids out there, get them excited and get them
3: motivated about riding. Yeah, that's a good point because quite often the youth events, which are for the main event, don't even get noticed because people don't know. It's not because they're not interested. They don't realize it's suddenly it's, oh, there was a junior cup or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I think the majority of the problem when it comes to motorcycle events and attendance of motorcycle events is just the exposure and the ability to 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 gain exposure. And yeah, I think that, you know, if people knew, hey, the day before any of these off-road races, we have youth series, I think those would be a lot better attended and more well attended.
3: Yes. Well, it's really exciting. I haven't heard of um such a, a novel and yet obvious <laughs> new business in,
2: in years. I know we couldn't believe it. I think when we first started looking, we're like, there's gotta be some solution out here. There's got there's gotta be, right? It seems seems so simple what we're doing. It's making people aware of motorcycle events, it's reminding people about motorcycle events. Um it's kind of in some ways feels like low-hanging fruit but it it can have such a significant impact for riders that we're really excited about it
3: yeah that's terrific well thanks for coming along to speak with us I'm really um pleased for you I'm very excited I think for the motorcycle community all areas of it it's going to be be a great uh coming together of minds and thanks so much
1: for having me I really appreciate it